Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for connecting with us. Thank you who are connecting with us in our San Jose campus and all of you are connecting online. Let me give you the backdrop for the day. Today uh, is NFL Super Bowl Sunday here in America in a few hours. Those who are interested in the game, everybody's going to be uh, uh, chilling out, watching the game. So we've taken advantage and we've dubbed this particular day Team Spirit Day here at NBCC. We're using this day to highlight the power and the importance of team. Can somebody shout team? Yes. And while we're talking a few moments about the Super Bowl, let me just point out this is African American History uh, Month and history is being made today. This is the first day in uh, Super Bowl history when both uh, NFL teams playing in the Super Bowl will be led by African American quarterbacks. Can somebody say praise God? This is a huge Big deal. So shout out to Jalen Hurts, uh, who's with the Philadelphia Eagles, and Patrick Mahomes, who's uh, the quarterback for Kansas City Chiefs. We're just so delighted. And listen, whether you're interested in the game or not, at the end of the day, whoever wins or loses, whatever your ethnic background or whatever the case is, if you are here in America, part of the American fabric, today we all win. This is a huge step forward. Uh, in the right direction for our nation. Can somebody say one more time, praise God. Yes, praise the Lord. All right, let's uh, look at our passage that is in front of us to, uh, at this moment, Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. As, we got, as we're thinking about team in our, in our minds, here's what the text says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. You see, they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in the boat repairing their nets. He called to them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. There ends the reading. God bless this teaching that it will be transformational for all of us, including the teacher in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Can you just simply say, join the team? Yeah, say it again. Join the team. If you're typing in a chat, just type that in the chat. Join the team. Let me begin, first of all, by just saying thank you to all of the different people who are serving on tons of NBCC teams uh, both online and in person. Let me just highlight one. There's one team that's serving online and in person who every weekend they pray. We get tons of prayer requests every weekend. They pray for every single prayer request. They represent the amazing uh, individuals across our many teams who are doing an incredible job uh, helping us to spread the love of Jesus Christ and to build a unique Jesus-centered community in the midst of great diversity. And so I just want to take a few moments and say praise God for you, NBCC team members. And will you guys just join me and just say this out loud. Come on, let's say it together. Praise God for you, NBCC team members. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I'm so proud of you. The second thing I want to do is just simply issue a word of challenge. This message will be uh, focused a little bit on this word of challenge. Many of you have joined us since the height of the pandemic. 
and uh, you're worshiping with us in San Jose or you're worshiping with us online. You may not be with us every week, but you think of this as the place that you come and worship and get your praise on and hang out and grow spiritually. My challenge to you is take the next step forward. Join an NBCC team. Yeah, do that. You see, you don't have to be a member or partner of NBCC to join one of our NBCC team and help us to serve uh, and impact the world around us. And this is the reason why, because we know that sometimes you have to belong before you can believe. You've got to belong in order to see whether or not the stuff you're hearing and hearing about is actually real in terms of what we profess and the kind of community that we're trying to be. So my challenge to you today through this message is join a team, join an NBCC team. Thirdly, the larger context of our time of sharing and teaching today is really focused on the power of having a team mindset in our daily lives. Here's what I know to be true. A team mindset can actually revolutionize how you live your life. And here's my point. And I want you to leave this teaching and, and every aspect of your living, I want you to think team. Can you just say that with me? Say, think team. Yeah. It comes to every slice, every category of your life. You ought to be asking the question, who is my team? Think team. Well, the passage that is before us really starts with verse 1 in chapter 1 of Mark. Jesus is baptized, and he comes out of that baptism experience, uh, which initiates his public ministry. The next 40 days, he's in the wilderness doing combat, if you will, with Satan and evil itself. He emerges victorious from that experience, only to discover that his first cousin, John the Baptist, has been arrested and a little later will be killed. But this is the start of his public ministry. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus is found moving through the Galilean community, preaching the good news. And here's what the text tells us that he says. He says, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Can you say, believe the good news? Yes. Believe the good news, Jesus is declaring, that a new you is possible. Believe the good news, Jesus is declaring, that a new world is possible and is coming. That the day will come because of what Jesus declares that he would do and he ultimately did. Where justice will reign over evil and life will triumph over death. Believe the good news. He comes out proclaiming and preaching this. And then Jesus stops for a moment and says, I need a team. Yeah. He thinks team. Jesus declared, I need a team to redeem and transform the world. I need a team to bring the kingdom of God fully into reality. So the text tells us that as he moves about, he sees Peter and Andrew, and he calls out to them in verse 17. And he says, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. In other words, Jesus was saying to them, I won't just change your occupation. I'm going to clarify your purpose. The reason why you're here on the planet. Before you were in your mother's womb, you were already designated in my father's will to be a member on my team. You see, when Jesus says, come follow me, what he was simply saying was, come join my team. And then notice, 
uh, what, the, what the response is in verse 18. So they left their nets at once and joined his team. They followed him. And then uh, the next verse 19 says, a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in boats repairing their nets, and he called them at once. Watch this. And they also followed him. In other words, he said, join my team. And they joined his team. So here's the point. If Jesus comes onto the scene thinking team, and we recognize that those disciples that he called to, to do life and ministry with him, they would ultimately be his family. They would ultimately be the, his core group, uh, that, that every aspect of life, he would do it with them. Here's the basic teaching, that in every aspect of our lives, we ought to think team. When it comes to your family, you ought to think team, that there's a role and a responsibility for the kids and for, for, for every adult that's in the house. When it comes to navigating your finances, you ought to think, team, what team do I need in order to grow my investment and to, and to move forward to get out of debt? When it comes to navigating the terrain of a new student going to college, you need to think, team, what team do I need in order to navigate this college experience? Come on now. When it comes to growing in your faith, you need to think, team. We all need someone on our team that regularly pours into our lives. That's what I'm doing week after week and, I, and the folk here at NBCC. And we also need peers who will do life of learning with us. That's what we call small groups and life groups here. And we need to position ourselves so that we can pour into other people's lives. You need a team. When you're working through your crisis, it's a health care crisis, a mental health crisis. Come on now, it's a, perhaps it's a crisis on your job. You need a team. I remember many, many years ago, my wife and I was in Boston, and we were dealing with a, a family crisis centered around a family member that was really dear to us. And Rhonda said, essentially, babe, we need a team. And she said, we got all these people that we know in our networks and these are movers and shakers across Boston. Let's get four or five of them and let them come and speak into our situation and help us to figure this out. So we reached out to some of the movers and shakers who were dear friends of ours and brought them into our living room, laid out our challenge that we were wrestling with uh, in, uh, in honesty and transparency with them because we knew we could trust them. We were safe with them. Come on now. And they became our team. They helped us to navigate that crisis. Do you see the point I'm making? In every sector of your life, you need to think. Can somebody say the word? Team. Team. So here's the deal. The Bible says it's not good for man or woman to live alone. Genesis 2, 7. Uh, team. And yet the world is moving in such a way, especially coming out of this pandemic, that it tempts us to believe that we can do stuff on, on our own. It, it pulls us away from one another. You know, we live in a context now where we're divided by masks and by screens and we work at home rather than in a shared office space. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. They are, they're appropriate in various, in their appropriate context. I get that, right? Uh, uh, but, 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 but it means that we have to work extra harder to move towards one another because these are the things that pull us apart, right? And when you add to that the toxicity and the culture that is now dripping into our families and our friendships that tempts us to be suspicious and, and to be threatened by people that we love, it means that we have to work extra, extra hard to move towards one another. 
you need a team. So here's the question. Who's on your team? Uh, why don't you just ask this question with me? Just say, who's on my team? Say it. Who's on my team? Let me suggest that there's two characteristics that you need to think about when it comes to folk on your team. The first one is a real easy one. Depending upon what situation you're trying to navigate, you always need to get people with the right capabilities, the right competencies, with the right skills. That's kind of an easy one, a no-brainer one, right? Uh, usually companies hire people for skills. You got the right skills, you're the right competencies. But they often fire people for attitude issues. Can somebody shout attitude? Yes, attitude. Yeah. Uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson used to say, your attitude will determine your altitude. So I'm going to spend just a few moments talking about when I think about the folk that I want on my team and who I have on my team at home. Come on, I think about my spouse and my kids at work, the folk who surround me. Uh, uh, and I think about different aspects of my life. Uh, here are the characteristics of, an, of the right attitude that I want to suggest that you should be looking for, that, that I personally cherish. The first is you ought to have the attitude of being a learner, which means you've got a growth mindset. Because culture and life is changing so rapidly. Stuff on our jobs and, and our circumstances are changing so rapidly. You've got to be a learner. You've got to be willing to keep growing and keep learning. You need to have resilience. A no-quit spirit, the ability to adapt and be flexible in the midst of changes. You know, because in the midst of this, right, we've got some relationships that are dear to us, but disappointment will come our way. Heartbreak will come our way. And the question is, can we be resilient, faithful? When I think of faithful, I think at the heart of that word is this notion of trust. Uh, to have faith is to have trust. We all want people on our team who trust us and who we can trust. Here's another way of saying it, who will keep their word. Listen, man, if you say you're going to pick up the kids, come on now, I need to trust you're going to pick up the kids. If you say that you're going to execute that project, I need to trust you're going to do that and be able to I move on and take care of whatever the stuff that I'm dealing with. You see, if you give your word, you've got to be a person who keeps your word. The psalmist declares, blessed is the one who keeps their promises. And then... Uh, the word loyalty comes to mind. We want people who are loyal. Now, here's what it means. It means to me, speak truth in love. Let me put it another way. You want people on your team who will not just tell you what you want to hear, but who will tell you what you need to hear. But they will be thinking about how to deliver the message to you. Come on now. They'll think about timing. Is this the right timing? They will think about um, how to do it with kindness and respect. And then there's another aspect of loyalty. My friend Samuel Chan many years ago captured this in a book called Who's Holding Your Ladder? And here's how he talks about it. I'm paraphrasing it. He says, you want people who, when they disagree with your head, they never question your heart. You want people who, when they disagree with how you do things, will remain confident in why you do things. Uh, you want people who, when they disagree with your method, will never doubt your motivation. That's loyalty. And then lastly, humble. Can you shout humble? Yes, humble. And what I simply mean by this is really three categories. When you're humble, you're able to say, you know what, I messed up. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Can you forgive me? When you're humble, you're able to celebrate the victories and the gains of others. 
when you're able to say, you know what, you're better than me in that particular aspect. And I celebrate that. I wish I could do it the way you do it. When you're humble, you're also able to say, I need some help. I can't do this on my own. And you speak out and declare the interdependency that God has shaped within us all. It's this last point that I want to double back. By the way, that when we think about these characteristics, you think about the people that Jesus called, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the disciples. You know what? They fit these characteristics. They were learners. They, 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 they grew as they spent the next three and a half years with Jesus. They would ultimately prove to be resilient and no-quit kinds of disciples. On the other side of the resurrection, these are people who will ultimately give up their lives for Jesus, come on now, uh, they will prove to be faithful and trustworthy. Uh, they will prove to be loyal. And ultimately, they will have to model the humility that they saw in Jesus as they learn how to depend on each other because they were on one another's team, sharing in each other's story. But when I think about this one called Jesus, who is God at our address, God in the neighborhood, y'all, God in human understandable terms, showing up on the planet and crying out, I need a team. Come on, come follow me. Come join my team. In the remarkable humility of the deity, he simply cries out and says, I need some help. Yeah, I need some help. I can't build that unique community called the church that will be the transformational, uh, the, the, the means of transforming the culture without some help. Now, let me pause here for a moment. You know, I, I, I know that from time to time there are people who ask this question. Uh, how is it, God, that you won't just wipe out injustice? Why is it that you, you won't just uh, uh, stomp out evil? Why do we have to see all of this craziness that's going on around us? And, 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 and the answer of God is, because I need some help. <laughs> Somebody shout, I need some help. Yes, yes. See, see, God wants you to know that when he made you, when he made me, humanity, he gave us something called free will. Free will was necessary because that means we get to choose good or evil. We get to choose to be in relationship or not. And, and it's this notion of free will that now makes it so that, 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 that humanity has to be involved in solving humanity's problems. God wants you to know, come on now, I can't do it for you because you've got choice, but I can do it with you. I need some help. That's the word from on high, God declares, I need some help. So the first question is, who's on your team? The second and final question as we race into our conclusion is, whose team am I on? You see, the first question is really about you, and, and, and it is an appropriate question. We should think about uh, what's in our best and highest interest, but we can't only think about what's in our best and highest interest. We, we, in order to be a fully developed human being, come on, walking in alignment with God's purpose for our lives, we have to have the capacity to think about what's in the best interest of others. We have to also be other people centered. So when I think about whose team am I on, here's the question I want you to wrestle with. Do you have active in your life the characteristics that you hope that the folk on your team have active in their lives? Are you a learner? Are you resilient? Are you faithful and loyal and humble? Now here's the deal. Most of us are growing in 
one or two, a couple of these areas. Here's how God grows us. He grows us in our families as we think about being on that team. He grows us in our careers as we think about our place on that team. He grows us in the church as we think about our place on a church team. That's where he stretches and builds out those characteristics that we are missing. Ask again, whose team are you on? Well, Jesus finds Peter and Andrew, and he says, come follow me. Notice what the text says in verse 18. And they left their nets at once and followed him, left their nets. They made a choice. They made a choice to make a sacrifice. They left their occupation, come on, in order to walk into the unknown with Jesus. A choice to sacrifice. You see, part of being a Jesus follower and being on Jesus' team is that he has this capacity to stretch us out of our self-centeredness and begin to uh, challenge us with a basic question. Who are you willing to sacrifice for? Here's the question. Let me say it this way. Who or for what are you willing to pay the cause of great sacrifice for? I know you do it for yourself. I know you do it perhaps for your spouse or your mama or your daddy or your children. But who outside of your personal self-interest are you willing to pay the cause of sacrifice for? My, my, my. This is the Jesus who says, if you want to be my disciples... You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. This is a Jesus who says, no greater love than this, than one who will lay down his life for a friend. And I have called you friend, pointing to his willing to die on your behalf and my behalf. This is the Jesus who says that the Son of Man did not come into the world. The Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that when you join Jesus' team, he keeps stretching you. It is part of the value of being on a Jesus team. He keeps stretching you into an other person, other people-centered person. He teaches you love, a copy love that transforms the world. Whose team are you on? Let me end with a basic challenge. If you're regularly connecting with us online or showing up in San Jose, I want to challenge you. Join a Jesus team at NBCC. You know, join a Jesus team and help us to build this unique Jesus-centered community where people come together across race and ethnicity and all these different diversities and center in a shared faith and love in Jesus Christ. And from that place, we love one another across all of our differences. And as we do, we love every single person who walks into our experience in such a transformational way. Come on now. That light shines in the darkness. We need your help. Come join an NBCC team. When I think about the church, Big C, and when I think about the church in terms of NBCC, small C, there are a couple of images that come to my mind. One image that comes to my mind is that of Mr. DeMar Hamlin. Hamlin. You remember he was the Buffalo Bill player who made a tackle and then he collapsed on the field, uh, had a cardiac arrest, and uh, some reports said he had two cardiac arrests there. Come on, the medic team ran out on the field. They were tending to him physically. And then there's this powerful picture of all of his teammates surrounded, kneeled, engaged in prayer. I don't even know whether they shared the same faith. But in that moment, 
I know they shared the same hope, praise God. And they were calling on the God who could make a way out of no way. And a few days later, despite the doctor's fear that he would not make it or his, uh, he would not have his mental faculties, we find him sitting with his family. And within less than two weeks, he's out at home. And when I, I think about that, I, I think about the power of the church, y'all, that when you walk through the church's doors, you need someone to engage you physically, to love you and to embrace you because you're walking perhaps out of some tragedy, some heartbroken. Maybe you've had a spiritual cardiac arrest, but you also need people in your life who will intercede on your behalf spiritually so that you need physical contact of love and spiritual intercession. And that is the power of joining a Jesus team right here at MBCC. And then I think of one more final image. And it is the image of the horrible, horrible, more than 20,000 people lost their lives. Tens of thousands of people are lost in Turkey and Syria. And yet there are, you know, countless people that have formed an army, if you will, of rescuers pushing through the rubbish, looking for people. Every now and then they find that person who thought they were lost, and they rescue them out. That is the power of the church. That is the mission of the church, to push through the rubbles of hopelessness and despair and find those people who feel that they have been thrown away, washed up and left out, and, 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 and pull them out. Come on now. And carry them up to Jesus, who's able to speak healing in their lives, not just through some mysterious force. Come on now. But through the hands and, and the love of, of, of Jesus' followers right here at NBCC. My goodness, let me end here. You know, across the NBC campuses, we're all wearing our various jerseys representing our various teams. And here's my favorite team right here, the Golden State Warriors. Come on, my favorite player, the Curry, number 30, is on the back, y'all. Yes, sir. I love the Warriors. If my Grambling State University shirt had been washed, I'd have it hanging up here, too, because I cherish my Grambling State University team. But while I love and cherish those teams, I'm on this team, a Jesus team at NBCC. And I end this message declaring, oh, joining a Jesus team at NBCC is one of the grandest experiences of my life and can be for you also. Join a team. I declare it. In Jesus' name, I pray it in Jesus' name, amen and amen.